1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Cents Podcast. I'm Lucas with my co-host Chris and our producer Jonathan. Guys, it is the end of the regular season. We are recording during the Chicago, Toronto playing game right now, and it is all Sixers during the playoffs, guys. What do you guys are you guys excited? Yeah, uh, I'm ready yeah. for it.
2: Yeah, I mean we're just killing time to the real game tonight, honestly. But uh Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk
1: about the Sixers. Is it the real game without... Is it the real game if, um, you know, Chet Grimm isn't playing, though? Is it real? Fair point.
2: Um, You know, no Chet, no Zion, equal caliber of player, honestly. Um,
1: Wow.
2: uh,
1: uh, You know, he he
2: the playing field a little bit, I guess. Um, Wow. All
3: right. All right. We're going to (laughs) go. We're going to go to Sixers. All right. So... Obviously, we got the first-round matchup set up with the Brooklyn Nets Sixers three-seed. Uh, the home team, Brooklyn, is the sixth seed. Starts on Saturday at one. We get the first real playoff game. So, Chris, we're going to start with you. What are some key matchups that you're looking for in the series as the fantasy basketball loser?
2: Wow. Um, that was good. Ooh. Good Ooh. one. Well done. That's fired. Good That's execution, fired. John. Um. Huh. Wow. Okay. Um. Matchups to look forward to. Um. I'll. I'm gonna kind of skirt around the the obvious one, I guess, and maybe Lucas will touch on it a little bit. Um. I'll. I'll start with one that is more of how does Philly stop Brooklyn more than how does Brooklyn maybe combat Philly, but obviously Mikael Bridges. Has been on a bit of a tear since he arrived in Brooklyn. He's averaging like 26 a game as a net on pretty similar efficiency to what he had in Phoenix. He has turned into one of the best mid-range shooters in the world somehow out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere. We saw flashes of it in Phoenix.
1: I was about to say, he plays with two mid-range assassins back in Phoenix, so it's not that surprising.
2: Yeah, clearly the... uh, Freedom that he had and has in Brooklyn now is just not what was happening in in Phoenix. They've really let him spread his wings and try new things, and he has done quite well. So Bridges is like the big star that Philly's going to have to stop, and the obvious name that comes unmixed would be P.J. Tucker. I assume he's going to be the one tasked with guarding Bridges, at least to start most games. I'm sure we'll get some, you know, Tobias and Melton will be mixed in there for different points in time, but... McDaniels. This is why the Sixers... Yeah, McDaniels, etc. But this house, even... But this is why this is why the Sixers signed P.J. Tucker, is to guard these guys in the playoffs. So, all year we've been talking about, you know, P.J. And to varying degrees of happiness. Uh, you know, he's had some great games. We all remember the Denver game where he just shut Jokic down for an entire half. That was awesome. Um, but there have been plenty of really bad nights, too. He... We mentioned last podcast his like, historic cardio game. <laughs> like, he, he's had a lot of nights like that where the offense just hasn't been up to par. And it's really hard to stay on the floor in the NBA when you are able to be ignored on the offensive end. So that's something Philly's going to have to deal with maybe. But if P.J. just shuts Bridges down, there's really no way for Brooklyn to hang in this series. He's He's easily their best offensive player. They aren't a team with a lot of high-level creators. They have a lot of good defensive players. They have a lot of shooting. But they are limited as far as star power and creative guys go. So a lot is riding on Bridges for them in this series. And if P.J. plays up to par with what he's done in past postseasons and he gets into Bridges space and he's physical with him, a guy that has not played this kind of role for very long, who's never been the guy, quote unquote, especially in the playoffs, then That might just seal the deal for Philly. So I I think PJ and McHale is is a really important matchup.
1: Not where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to take a James Harden, Dorian, Finney-Smith matchup type deal there, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I'll go for the main one here, and that's going to be Joel Embiid versus Nick Claxton. Look, I think, Chris, you would probably agree on this. Nick Claxton is a candidate for all defensive team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yet, saying that, there are just a few centers that have no chance of slowing down Joel, and Nick is one of them. Like, Joel just has the number of so many centers, and Nick is probably at the top of his call list, his Rolodex, whatever you want to say. And yes, I did make a Rolodex reference here, guys. I'm the uh, Jonathan probably remembers what those are, right, Jonathan?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, so, my point being here is that Nick Claxton is giving up a... Sub- n- s- substantial amount of weight and he's not he's a few inches shorter but mainly the weight Joel's gonna have a heyday and this series like look they have long agitating defenders kind of like what Toronto has now with uh, Dorian Finney Smith, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. I'm sure there's a few guys off the bench that I'm missing here. Uh even Spencer Dinwiddie, he's six six as a go- point guard. Um so they're they're gonna there's gonna come with a lot of double teams and Joel's you know, that game against, um, who was it against? Against uh, the Boston Celtics. He's had multiple games where he's had high assist numbers. I, I believe he had a couple triple doubles too with 10 assists. Or, you know, it was against Milwaukee where he had 10 assists and 35 plus points. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of playmaking from Joel in this first round because let's be honest, the Nets can't cover him one on one, and nor should they try. And that that's the main one. I don't know, Jonathan. Do you want to get into the, uh, you know, James Harden and the, you know, Dorian Finney Smith of this all?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you with the MB Claxton. That's what I'm. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm excited to see like if Harden can step up to the moment. I think he's like better and should be able to take advantage at points of Dorian Finney Smith. So I'm uh. I'm just hoping that he, like, doesn't revert to Thunder playoff form or something like that.
2: Yeah, I I think this is going to be a really telling series for James because while I don't think the Nets are, you know, spoiler, I don't think the Nets are good enough to beat the Sixers, they do have a lot of really good, long, rangy defenders. Claxton, everyone on that team pretty much can switch, at least in the starting five. And that has been the key to slowing down James in the past, especially last season when he just wasn't able to get downhill against guys and and was a bit slower than we are accustomed to athletically. So he's been dealing with the Achilles injury. He hasn't looked quite himself these past couple of weeks. I, I think Brooklyn has the ability to give James a lot of problems if he's not right. So this will be a good litmus test kind of for any future predictions down the road against a Boston or Milwaukee. If James can't really get it done against Brooklyn, then that's, uh, you know, maybe not a great sign for the Sixers' hopes long-term. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, Chris, let's get into some X factors for each of the teams in the series.
2: Yeah. X factors. um, I I mean, again, for For Philadelphia, I I really think it would be fair to, like, peg James as, like, the main X factor just based on what happened last season. Like you said, Jonathan, he's been much, much better across the board this year. He should probably make an all-NBA team if we are, you know, voting along positional lines at least. So I, I think he's been an awesome player this year, a top 20 player, maybe even top 15. That's how highly I think of James Harden when he's healthy, even at this stage in his career. But again, we're like not really sure if he's healthy right now. The Achilles thing has been lingering here for a couple weeks. He hasn't really had a great signature Harden game in a minute now. So I think that concern is valid. Like The Sixers, if they really want to go all the way, as great as Joel is and as much as he can carry this team offensively, the half-court offense is going to get pretty rough at times if James just can't turn the corner and get downhill on guys. And Brooklyn, again, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Claxton, these are all guys with a lot of length and size who can give James problems at the point of attack. They can all switch. So I I think the version of James that shows up and how well Brooklyn is able to contain him is going to be a real X factor as far as Philly's offense goes. Um, So yeah, I'll just double down on that.
1: I'm, I'm going to go with Tyrese Maxey here, guys. Look, Maxey is the third star on this team. And we saw it against Toronto last postseason. Qu- you know, long defenders, like between the 6'8", six, 6'6", six, uh, 6 range. Maxey usually has the burst to go by them and attack in transition, even during the playoffs and even during the half court. He's, he's quicker than any of these other guys. Maxey's one of the quickest players in the NBA. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. And even though they are really good defensively, I don't think they have the lateral speed to keep up with Maxi, like some other smaller guards can. And I think that could be a problem for for the Nets. So if Maxi can really turn it up, I, I don't think this is going to be much of a series, even if Harden's like subpar.
3: Yeah, I was going to say I think it's PJ because I think that – and it might not be too applicable in this series because I think we are – like, notably better than the Nets. But if his defense is up to par, like, what it was two years ago in Milwaukee or, or three years ago, and then with Miami, like, really contributing to, like, the team as a starter, um, I, I just hope that we can continue to see that in the playoffs. So it might, not, might of- not be as big a factor against the mm-hmm. Nets, but we'll see.
1: It's, it's kind of sad that we're not saying Tobias Harris, who can be, like, a 19-point-per-game scorer. We're not saying him. Like, I, I carry I- the
3: flag for Tobias Harris. I should have said
1: that. I, I, yeah. You know, but but like at the same time, this isn't like an ideal matchup for him. And well, like I'm, the I, six, Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I, I mean, I think he is a good X factor in the sense that we've seen that it can go both ways. With Tobias, he was really good last postseason where he bought into his role. He played the best defense of his life. And that was really the best basketball we've seen of Tobias as a sixer was in the playoffs last year. And there have been moments where he has kind of recaptured that this season, and there have been moments where it's just been the absolute worst version of Tobias, at least in the context of this team. So he's definitely a good X-factor as far as if he, if he plays up to what we know he's capable of. He really does help this team a lot, and he's a really potent fourth option on offense. But if, if he's, you know, dribbling the ball too much, taking things into his own hands, that's going to bog down the offense. It's not going to lead the good stuff out of him, and that's going to hurt the team as a whole. So it definitely could go both ways, and the Sixers need the better version of Tobias to show up. Again, especially uh, the Nets, there's more margin for error. I don't want to make Brooklyn out to be like pushovers, but if you're going to project forward and you're going to say Philly is a championship contender, all these guys need to show up and play the best version of
1: basketball that they can. We need the core four, not the big three. Yep. Yep.
3: Absolutely. All right. Well, before we close out this segment, let's get uh, quick predictions. We'll go
1: around the horn. Chris, you first.
2: Um, I'll go Sixers
1: and Five. Yeah, I also feel Sixers and Five is a safe bet.
3: Same here. I think there's going to be a little gentleman sweep. I think we may play down, let a game slip. But, um, yeah, I think six and Five as well. All right. Well, we'll switch to uh, Chris's favorite topic, Ben Simmons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, start with you, Lucas, but he's obviously out for the season. Um, the Nets shut him down. So do you think he would make a difference for the Nets in this series if he did
1: play? Well, this season's version of Ben Simmons, no, not at all. No, I don't, I don't think so. This season's Ben Simmons has been uh, – has looked worse than the end of the career of Lamar Odom. If that if that puts things into perspective for you. I think Ben Simmons is a borderline unplayable player in the NBA at this past season. That being said, if Ben Simmons was like he was with us, then he'd be an ideal fit for this team and he'd be a problem. Yeah. Um I don't know how many people out there have
2: seen the new Avatar movie, but there's this line from like an evil Australian alien whale hunter like in the second hour where he's like if you can't get out of it get into it so that's my approach to this segment if, if we have to talk about Ben Simmons we might as well just go all in uh, I think you're wrong Lucas I, I think the current version of Ben Simmons would make an impact and it would be a negative impact
1: for the Brooklyn oh Nets, oh okay he's I'm just listening not very good
2: right now he, you, you can't yeah, play no. Ben Simmons in his current state. He, he, you can't get played <laughs> off the floor in five minutes. Yeah. It
1: wouldn't yep. work. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even think of that perspective. Yeah. You probably would be a net negative. Look, if um, Sh- shade and sharp, no, what's the name of their backups to center? Um, the sharp kid. Um, if he's better. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. how much I like. If I can't even think of his first name and he's a better option than Ben Simmons on your depth chart as center. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He probably wouldn't be playing in this series anyway. So, yeah, yeah. You know what? It, he probably couldn't be playing. Yeah, he'd be a net negative. Fair enough. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, Lucas, do you think you could ever get back to, like, being an all-star, even if not an all-star, like a starter in this league somewhere?
1: Ooh. I, ugh. I mean, it's kind of premature to answer that question, but if If I'm being, uh, if I'm just going based off of what I've seen this season, I'm going to say no, but I I need another season of, of work to really get a good feel on that. Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: can is a very broad way to put it. Like, is it possible? Absolutely. At least, if not all star, like you said, Jonathan, he could absolutely become like a starting caliber rotation guy again. Um. I think um, an underrated part of everything this year beyond the mental questions and his aggressiveness is that he's also just like we have maybe made light of the back injury and stuff at different points, but like it's clear that he's not 100% physically. Like that's part of it too is he's just not moving like he used to. And if he can get back to 100% physically, even, even if he's not quite as aggressive and he doesn't flourish as, as a driver and a transition guy the way he used to, He's a really good defender still, and he's just a monster athlete, so it's hard to imagine that that kind of player can't contribute in some way or another, even if he's not not a superstar. There, there's reason to believe that he can at least get back to being a good, positive impact NBA player. So it's definitely possible. I don't know about All-Star. Like Lucas said, we're kind of in wait-and-see mode. That, that will depend on a number of different factors, but... Yeah, it's certainly possible. He, he's still in his early 20s. Like, he has plenty of time to turn the ship around.
3: Well, I'll say my uh, article from a year ago, I think, that broke the site about if he will retire is still alive. Um,
1: yeah. At the end of yeah. I mean, look, that's not out of the question either. He's made yeah, his money. I mean, who
3: no- honestly, who knows? But right now, do you think that that's the worst contract in the NBA, Lucas?
1: Uh um let's go over the other bad ones. You got Bradley Beal. Um that's a bad one. I don't think you can say Dames is a bad one yet. Uh Zach Levine and uh who who you're naming is an is an all star. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. My point exactly is
2: he's the worst. I'm just going to point out Rudy Gobert is slated to make $205 million over the next oh, five Oh,
1: that's a good point. Who's worse? Rudy Gobert Ooh. or Ben? Okay, let's think about this. One's still a starting caliber player. Yeah, it's Ben. But it, it, ben, that is a valid point.
2: That is a valid ben point. Is, ben is worse now, and as much as I, like, think rudy gobert is still very good and underrated he there's a lot of potential for that contract to not age well so yeah
1: no in like two or three years bradley beal and um you know and rudy gobert's contracts or or even zach Levine's contracts could be worse than ben's but we're talking about right now yeah sure
2: Uh, yeah i think that's fair Uh, all right chris yeah no I, i was just gonna say uh We'll see what Washington pays Porzingis, but that has some potential to also be. Dude, yeah,
1: that you know concerning. what? I, I I don't think they're gonna over. I don't think they're gonna pay north of two hundred mil though. I don't. I think, would I, hope not. They, they I would, would hope not, not either. They really shouldn't. I don't think. Well, not not just Porzingis. You could think Kyle Lowry too, right? Yeah, but those
2: guys are closer to the end of their deals than Ben and Rudy at this point. Yeah.
3: All right, well, let's switch it up to the team we would potentially play if we advance to the second round. So the Celtics found out who their opponent is last night. The Hawks beat the Heat to secure the seventh seed in the first round of the play-in game. So what are your guys' thoughts? Chris, we'll start with you. Do the Hawks have an actual chance to upset the Celtics?
2: You know, Boston has been not as dominant as they were early in the season, especially since the All-Star break. They've kind of floundered a little bit. They've gone through some rough patches. They haven't looked quite as as calibrated and coordinated as we maybe thought they were. Obviously, the coaching change has been a storyline all year. There are people who are questioning whether Joe Mazzulla is really that guy, etc. I I think the Hawks have a lot of talent. We've seen what they're capable of under Trey Young. We've seen them get to the conference finals. We've seen them beat a number one seed. Uh but uh yeah no, I don't think they really have any chance to beat Boston. Um, willing to be proven wrong, wouldn't mind it, honestly. But uh as as talented as Trey is and DeJounte and Capella, the Hawks again on paper just have a lot of quality guys who are theoretically either proven or built to succeed in the playoffs and I think when Schneider's a good coach they they made an upgraded coach midseason, but yeah I I just think Boston's too deep too talented they've, they've been there now so I it's hard for me to see the Celtics not getting rid of Atlanta pretty quickly
0: save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app
1: Best case scenario for the Hawks is if they take the series to six games. They're not winning this. It's not even close. Like, I I expect them to maybe get two games out of this where they could win two games. Maybe. But, like, because... And that's just mostly just Trey Young being Trey Young. I, I don't see it happening. They have good perimeter defense and Derek White and Marcus Smart. And, you know, that's the key for the... For, for Atlanta to really go offensively is, you know, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. That being said, I mean, look, the positives for the Hawks is, is that they have the perimeter defenders and DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bey to really actually give, and even, uh, you know, Murray to give, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum some actual problems on 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 the defensive end. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see this game going past six. Do you think the passing.
3: heat might have been do you think the heat might have been a tougher matchup for the Celtics here, Chris?
2: Um you know, good instinct is yes because Miami did take Boston to seven games last year. You know Jimmy Butler is a proven playoff star at this point. and it's very really easy to bet on just like Jimmy and Bam as as a star duo and their upside. but I, I mean, look they they lost this playing game for a reason. It's just one game. It's kind of hard to drive much from that. But they were the seventh seed in the East before that. They've been hovering around 500 all season for a reason. Miami does not have a lot of shooting. They they struggled to win the math game, so to speak, on offense. So I, I don't think Miami would have given Boston much trouble, despite what happened last season. You know, Jimmy is, is a great player, but frankly, Trey is not that far behind in offensively. It's even closer. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't think they were, like, a significantly harder out than Atlanta will be. And, again, uh, like, on paper, Atlanta has much more depth and talent down the roster than Miami. So maybe Atlanta, if they can actually play up to their potential, is a harder matchup than Miami. I think that's totally possible. Um, now, Atlanta hasn't put it together all year either. They have, like, struggled to win back-to-back games for the Second half of the season, they've like gone back and forth. So I don't have much faith in Atlanta, nor do I have much faith in Miami. Uh, so yeah, I but I, I don't think the Heat would have been that much tougher. I you know maybe marginally, but they're they're a pretty
1: flawed team. Like Chris said, I think it's a marginal difference where Miami might have been slightly tougher because Jimmy Butler. Well, we know what he can do in the playoffs. I in overall I look Chris laid it out pretty well. Miami's shooting woes, like Duncan Robinson isn't a part of the rotation, their other shooters have struggled, Kyle Lowry's coming off the bench now. Though he did have a good game against the Hawks in the play-in, it's just not been enough and something's off in that Miami locker room and I, you know, there's just a chem- it, like it feels like their chemistry's off this year and I don't know what it is, but it's not working for them this year. So you know, it would be marginally, but I, I think they're on the same tier for a reason. You know, they were the seventh and eighth seeds for a reason during the regular season.
3: Yeah. No, I hear you. I think the Celtics are gonna would have handled either of them. So before we close out this segment, do you think there's anything that the Sixers could learn from the series, maybe specifically about Boston coming out, Chris?
2: Yeah, I mean there's always always stuff that you can learn from watching the film. The Celtics can probably learn plenty from how Brooklyn plays Philly. Um, so yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the like we've all said, I don't think Atlanta is going to give Boston much of a fight, but if they do, it's going to be worth trying to understand how they're giving Boston a fight. What are they doing to slow down Tatum and Brown, etc.? How are they finding holes in what on paper is a very good defense with not that many holes to poke? So... Yeah, I, I mean, Philly should definitely be watching this series and, and taking notes and trying to learn from it.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, we already know this key to Philly's success against Boston is to feed the post because, you know, Jawal's going to be able to get whatever he wants. But if you can find some other weaknesses on the perimeter, I think that's the key there. And Atlanta has the perimeter depth to do it, so. If you can see how they're attacking the perimeter, then maybe maybe you can, or maybe you can see something flawed in Joe Missoula's you know, coaching strategy. Like Chris said, he, they've been struggling for the second half of the year, and that seems more of a you know X and O's things versus a um, player thing. So, and maybe a chemistry thing. So maybe maybe that's where you, the Sixers can get the, um, get the Celtics in the second round.
3: All right. Well, before we close out tonight, let's talk about some of the other playoff matchups. We'll hit. We'll all hit one in the East and one in the West. That's kind of grabbing our attention. So, Lucas, we'll start with you. What's one uh, series in the East outside of the Sixers that you're looking forward to?
1: Oh, this is an easy one. The Nets and the uh, Cavaliers for me, guys. That's that's a lot of drama there with the Donovan Mitchell stuff, and. Like it's really like a toss-up. I th- I think it's a toss-up of that series. I think you know Cleveland has the advantage because they have the home court advantage. But like in terms of talent, like the old, like Donovan Mitchell might be have the more star, star overall star power. But like the Knicks have the better depth. So I you know what uh, we'll see, Chris.
2: Yeah. Um. I, I mean I think just by default it would kind of have to be Cleveland and New York just because Milwaukee's going to run over the 8 seed pretty easily. I think Boston's going to beat the Hawks pretty easily. And frankly, again, I, I don't think the Nets are going to give the Sixers much trouble. Knock on wood, like, Philly's more than capable of making that a series. But it, it, it should be a pretty easy win for the Sixers. So the East feels kind of like it's going to go chalk. Um, the th- New York is not as healthy as Cleveland. Frankly, I, I think Cleveland's a level above them as a team. I wouldn't be surprised if, if all these series are like done in five or six games. But that's definitely the most interesting one and has the most potential to go the other way. New York is, is a hungry team. Brunson's been playing out of his mind all year. If Julius Randle can get back and he's healthy, they, they do have some star power of their own. And, and a pretty good supporting cast. I, I don't really trust Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs much. Uh, I, I think Mitchell and Garland are the two best players in this series. Mobley might be the third best player, so I, I think Cleveland is. going to Wow. Gonna win, but okay, hold,
1: hold up, hold up, hold up.
2: You think? No, I don't think that's even a hot take.
1: Look, no, no. I, I look. I think you it's probably a give the edge to Brunson, but over. Yeah, I would give the edge Mobley to Brunson. A, 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 Mobley, I don't on the level
2: of those. I of him. I
1: don't think so. I think that Mobley's probably the fifth best player in that series. I think it goes Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, um, Garland, Randall, and then Mobley. Now, if Mobley starts averaging uh, like twenty points a game, then yeah, we can talk about it more. But like, he, I, I think Cavs. Mobley,
2: I think the I think the Cavs Mobley. have the top two.
1: Yeah, you think Garland's better than Brunson?
2: I'm pretty comfortable with Garland. Yeah. I, I, Brunson's awesome. I, I, you know, there's an argument, but I, I would say Mitchell and Garland are my comfortable number one and two there. And then, yeah, I, Mobley might win Defensive Player of the Year. Like he's one of the five best defenders on the face of the earth, and he's kind of built for the playoffs. He's super versatile, and I, I think we're gonna see a lot of positive Mobley stuff in this series. I I don't know, man. I don't know. Last time Julius Randle got to the playoffs, it was a bit iffy. We'll see how it goes this time.
1: He has a better point guard this time. His point guard last time was an old Derrick Rose and Alfred Baden, okay?
2: I understand. I understand. But, uh, yeah, I I just don't think the Knicks are on Cleveland's level. Like, Cleveland, just from a— They've had the best defense in the NBA, pretty much, statistically, this season. And— you know, on balance, they, they're just better across the board. The Knicks could make this a series. They've been ascending for the most part since the All Star break. Brunson, particularly, has been ascending, but, you know, Cleveland winning in five or six would not surprise me very much. Mm.
3: Yeah. All I right. mean, I think we've said the uh, East is a three team race. So I think I agree that the first round series that's going to be the most exciting is definitely Cavs, Knicks. So let's go out west, Lucas. What's the, uh, a lot more probably series that could excite you. What are you thinking?
1: Oh uh, gosh, there's so many good ones. At the beginning of the podcast, I was thinking Lakers and Grizzly, but then I was like, nah. Let me go with the Suns versus the Clippers. Also, a four or five matchup. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard. Um, Nick, the Clippers are a re- really deep team. The Suns aren't, but the Suns have more top end talent, and like without Paul George at the beginning of the series, which they have ruled him out for the beginning of the series. It could, it could be a really close series. Cause I think if Paul jo- George is there, like I think the Clippers might actually have a chance of winning that one. So I don't know if Paul George can get back early in the series, then I think it could be a very close series by the, uh, you know, game seven.
2: Yeah. The West is, is much more exciting. Uh, I, I mean, since Clippers is obvious, like, I agree. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, that has the chance to be very exciting, even though be even more exciting if Paul George was like 100% right now. I, I, uh-huh. do, I don't think the Clippers are going to win that series, but they, they have the star talent to make it happen. And that's what makes all these matchups interesting, is the lower seeds have a lot of star power. Uh, even Lakers-Grizzlies... Like, my gut says the Grizzlies are going to win that series, but the Lakers have been on a bit of a tear lately. That trade at the deadline was quite productive for them as a group. And they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who might be the two best players in that series. You know, you can debate AD versus jaw, but it's close. So, Lakers can definitely win that series, you know? I think so, yeah. I think the same applies to warriors kings uh, in the 3-6 hole. That, that'll that be my pick. Warriors what, are like what? the betting favorites to, to beat Sacramento right now as the 6th seed, which is interesting. The Kings obviously are pretty new to the playoffs. They haven't been there in like 14 years. <laughs> um, they're bottom-five defense in the NBA, which is a bit of a concern projecting towards the playoffs, but they're also the best offense in the NBA. They're going to have a like wild home court advantage that crowd is going to be juiced they have a great fan base there and that fan base has been really hungry for this moment for a long time and the Warriors haven't been able to win on the road all season so well that is we'll the one thing win. Chris
3: people people yeah, are saying they say we'll will road game not, yeah but it's a 90 minute drive so they're saying like this road isn't as much of a road as like it could be you could be like in theory with the Western conference, you could have to go to new Orleans, but
1: Chris, I yeah, honestly thought sure. you were going to say, I, I honestly thought you were going to say, Oh, OKC's going to win the plane and then they're going to play Denver. That's yeah. what I thought. You know, nuggets, I thought
3: was Chris's pick. Honestly,
2: yeah. you know, for me personally, of course, but I have to provide fair and nuanced and balanced coverage on this podcast. Um, yeah, look, yeah, I mean, if well, OKC wins the, the play in and is the eighth seed, I will I will be tuning into that series. Uh, and, you know, Denver well, ha- hasn't been that great lately, so you never
1: know. But, um. Jokic going out in the first round? Yeah, you your been MVP it's been choice for and,
2: MVP? 12 and 11.
3: 12 and 11 since the All Star break. Mm, yeah.
1: So. Um, your choice for MVP. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, Anyways. Chris,
3: I'm going to go Lakers Grizzlies. Um,
1: That's a good I just one.
3: think that Grizzlies love just being like, we want all the smoke. And it's like, all right, like, D- like Dylan Brooks even made some comment, like we want to yeah. play LeBron or something like that. And it's just like, what don't poke the goat and like playoff LeBron is actually a different person. It just, he just is. So I don't know. I I'm excited. Cause I think the Grizzlies are going to get maybe play a little too emotional. And I think LeBron and AD are the two best players in that series. And if the Lakers are healthy, I mean, they looked a little sloppy against the T-Wolves, but I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for that series. I think it could be a long one, and I think the Lakers will pull it out, actually.
2: Yeah, I, I was really hoping Minnesota would win that game because Memphis-Minnesota was really fun last season. Uh, but this has the potential to be an equally fun series. And, yeah, I mean, the Grizzlies aren't at full strength. They're missing a couple key guys to injury. Steven Adams mainly, and I don't know. Like, like you said, Jonathan, at least from afar, there's just something kind of vaguely annoying about that team. And really, it's Dylan Brooks. There's something vaguely, not that vaguely annoying about Dylan Brooks. I was Dylan
1: about to Brooks. say it's not <laughs> not vague. It's, it's not vague really vague. It's
2: pretty no. <laughs> pretty consistent and in your face. But um, you
1: know who Dylan Brooks reminds me of? Deshawn Stevenson's. Yeah. Do you remember Deshaun, no. uh Jonathan?
2: I do not. I, I know who yeah, I know who Deshaun Stevenson is. Oh no, I'm you know what? I was old.
1: thinking of the wrong Stevensons. Sorry, I was thinking of uh Lance Stevenson. Oh yeah, oh, oh
2: yeah. I definitely know who Lance Stevenson
1: is. <laughs> Jesus. Deshaun was the shooting guard for the Mavericks in uh two thousand eleven when they won, but he was a irritant Guys. as well, but not the same type.
2: You are talking to the number yeah. one middle school Dirk Nowitzki fan. Okay, I was there for the Mavs in 2011. Just you for were the middle record. school
1: in 2011.
2: I I might I believe I might have been in like ninth grade. I, it's uh, let me think. Jonathan, we graduated
1: high school. We graduated. Yeah, no, I was in middle school. In I was
2: totally in middle school. Wow. Yeah, I know.
1: Okay. I know. Don't don't age us. You just uh, you just out yeah. of our age. Uh, I graduated high school that year. Uh, Anyways, anyway, well, at least nice. you, well, before, you, at least you, you, at least Uriah wasn't here for that one. He would have been hurt. Yeah.
3: Well, before we wrap up, gotta say Bulls. I'm pretty sure we're down 19 when we started
1: this podcast, yeah. and they are yeah they up were one. They no, are they're up. One. They're up three. They're up three now.
3: I just saw the Demar Derozan dunk. All right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go Demar. Okay. Look, this is it's the difference between again. Yeah, look, I, I kind of predicted that the Bulls could I was thinking like if they were gonna make a run, it's gonna be in the fourth because they have the star power. Like I it, it, not saying that Pascal isn't a star, but he's not like a guy that can get his own shots unlike DeMar and Levine. That's okay. Pascal is, is the best player in this game. And I Chris
3: when
2: we came anyway when
3: we came on the podcast, I put a little uh just a little bit on uh the bulls and he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry for you. Well, let's just Bulls, hope things turn out."
2: The Bulls have been playing pretty well lately. They're like a very good defense. Yeah, but they were team. losing,
3: and you were like, "You were like, oh, like that. That's pretty tough." And now they're off. yeah. They're well, up.
2: now it's not tough. Congrats.
1: Um, so, I, I
2: mean, if you asked me we, before the game, who I thought was going to win, I would have said Chicago. So, so
1: if it's Chicago and Miami for that eighth spot, if that ends up being Chicago the case, Chicago wins. I'm telling you, Chicago. Right now. You, they beat Miami. Yep yeah i believe so too yep. yeah what about Toronto? you guys who who been, wins that you guys tor- been watching
2: who, this uh this caruso game by the way uh yeah, he's i playing mean, out of
1: his mind uh, he's yeah, playing
2: really pretty good, good yeah. player maybe maybe more impactful to winning than uh tobias
1: harris who wow we are not I'm just starting saying this. we're not starting Taba- this again right, you no know, like don't, honestly start this again we have Honest left to God, the
2: how, no, how no. can you watch no. what Caruso is doing right now in this game on this stage and say that he's not better than Tobias? Like,
1: all right, thanks to all the listeners. That, yes. <laughs> no, Jonathan, like honestly. Yes. <laughs> no, we're not doing this, Chris.
2: We don't There's... we just talked about how we don't even really trust Tobias to show up against the Nets. And Caruso's out here like breaking up Toronto's entire offense. What are we talking about? It's so Zach much Levine. better. This
3: is Zach Levine.
2: He is on it's a different exactly. planet. He is a tier or two above Tobias. What are you even talking wow. about?
1: Wow. Wow. And he will never get paid like him. And yeah, you know why? Because he, he can't score is off. That even he can't true? create his offer. Is he Tobias' is next offer.
2: contract? Time out. Is Tobias' next contract going to be bigger than Caruso's next contract? Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about oh. that. Oh, is this a bet? <laughs> is this a bet? Because I'm all in on this one. Also, isn't age a factor here? Yeah, Tobias will be 31 at that point. Okay, sure. T- Caruso's 29.
2: It's not like he's that he much younger. Didn't
1: 20. I didn't yeah. I did not wow. know he was
2: 29. They're like the
1: wow. same age.
2: Come
3: on. Wow.
1: Wow. That, that That's puts crazy. Things Tobias into perspective. has about
3: $180 million more million in
2: his bank account at those same Wow. Age. Yeah. 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 And we have been talking for five years about how. That was a crippling financial mistake by the Sixers.
1: It, it, four, 4 years, but you're you, you know what? It
2: has been one of the worst contracts in the league forever. They both have one year left on their deal. <sighs> Pretty much. We'll see what happens. We'll we see what
1: happens. All right guys, let's go ahead and end this, okay? You don't want to keep going? You're back <laughs> No, my my parents just came in the door and I'm going to want to greet them. They came in from oh. a trip. No, yes. I bet your
2: your parents think Cruz is better than Tobias.
1: I don't know. They don't watch Chicago Bulls games. They live in get Ohio. All, get if they They're did, they root- would. If they, if they watch the NBA, they'd probably be rooting for the Cavaliers because they live in Ohio.
2: Well, you know, Chicago's not that far from Ohio. Anyways. Oh, my gosh.
1: Let's go. Um, Let's go.
2: I'm sorry. There's no way you could watch th- this game oh, and tell me that Cruz is not the better player. That's wild. I can't believe that. Okay, anyways. Uh, There's something recently where I had a similar reaction. Well, well, do you remember what that was, Lucas? Or you told me someone I, was better than someone.
1: Oh, my God. No, he Chris said something about
2: we,
3: someone's stats. Someone's stats that were, like, not even real. You are like, you're just
2: making up stats. Oh, yeah. It was Poku. You're just lying. Anyways. Okay.
1: Okay. Forty percent for a seven footer is not good field goal percentage. Okay.
2: We looked up the stats, and those stats were not accurate.
1: Okay. Anyways.
2: Anyways. Anyway. Right, can we go? Ending the pod. I'm Jeez, trying Louise. to see my parents. Thank you. I have to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder play basketball. All I right. To all, <laughs> to all our listeners. To all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Podcast, the podcast where we focus solely on the Philadelphia 76ers and no other (laughs) basketball teams. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, a website that is dedicated to the Philadelphia 76ers and no other basketball teams. So until next time, go Sixers. We'll be back soon to talk about Real life NBA playoff basketball featuring the Philadelphia 76ers, potentially after a game that the Oklahoma City Thunder play in against the Denver Nuggets. We'll see. Uh, bye, everyone, and uh, good night.